Welcome back, friends. This is the first episode of Simply Complicated Season 2. It's our first episode for 2020, and I am bringing to you today Levi Waltz, who is also known as the Mind Body Guy on Instagram. I'm pretty sure he's got a Facebook account as well, but he is honestly one of my biggest inspirations in the health and fitness industry. He knows so much about so much to do with the human body, our systems, um, like naturopathy. He understands hormones. He understands the whole lot. He honestly has so many titles and he will tell you that in here only because I asked him. It's not like he walks around telling people. He's incredibly humble. I get to ask him all about a few of the like um, more prominent fitness myths that we have heard. Um, he also dives into busting them, which is fantastic. If you want to know the how, the who, the why, honestly, you're going to love it. It's a real eye-opener. And so without further ado, I bring to you Levi Waltz, the mind-body guy. If you were or are a part of Ashy's squad, then you would absolutely be familiar with Levi Waltz. Levi, you have so many qualifications. I'm also one of the people that call you a walking Google. So welcome to the podcast. And what are some of the credits that you have to your name? <laughs> well, thank you very much. <laughs> and uh, please don't use the walking Google thing. That's horrible. It's so true. You know, so nah. like you could ask you anything and you would either have an opinion or a fact on it. Yeah. I, oh, everyone's got an opinion and I, yeah, if I, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I guess, uh, what have I got? I'm a naturopath, nutritionist and PT. Then I'm a Martini facilitator, NLP master, act therapist, uh, habit modification coach. So and yeah, you know, lots of little things as well, but it's basically by mind, body, you know, and uh, I guess everything that helps connect that together. That's amazing. I hadn't, I didn't even know about some of those. So that's wow. really, really cool. And you've been accumulating them for quite, well, I'm going to make you sound really old here, quite some time. No, but Levi actually gave me one of my first jobs as a PT many, many years ago. And I learned so, so much from him as a trainer and also as a manager. And one of the things that you always instilled in me was to ask more questions. So like to dive into everything we read or see and make our own evaluations. So in our careers in the health and fitness industry over this time, there've been many, many changes. Wouldn't you say, Levi? Like, it's always shifting. Yeah, huh. it's always shifting. Yeah. So there was, 100%. yeah, there was like ninety nine percent fat free, and then it was sugar free and paleo, keto, clean eating, all of it. So, what's your thoughts on all these different styles and ways of eating that are, you know, sold to us in many different ways, and then the ways that they can benefit us? Well, I think there's benefits in, in all different types of eating depending on the person, you know. Um, you would know this as well, but I've had results, incredible results for some people on low-fat eating, had incredible results on low-GI eating, had incredible results on uh, blood group diets, had incredible results on keto, fasting, and but then on the vice versa, 
you know, some people look like they their, their picture would really fit this specific uh, style of eating, and it just doesn't work for them. One, you know, one, it mightn't work for their body. Two, it just mightn't work for their their actual likes, you know, like I actually really hate eating like this, even though it, my body likes it the most. And so that's like trying to get someone to do hit training that absolutely hates it and just wants to walk. They're not going to do it, are they? So mm-hmm. I guess you get that that balance between being a robot and being a human. And so I guess if you're asking the benefits, I would say it's all individualized. Yeah. Well, that's and that's one thing that I've always loved is that you – I remember actually putting up like a, you know, one of those tiles or something somewhere that I can't even remember what it was about now, but it was basically giving like a a fitness fact and you pulled me up straight away and you're like, really is, do you, how does this actually work? And asking me to dive back into it and I couldn't come up with the correct answers. And I think it was something, actually, it was something around like your metabolism and damaging your metabolism um and yeah, I think there's a couple. Yeah, I would have <laughs> surely like that's that couldn't be true that I would put out something that's not factually correct because it looked pretty. Um, <laughs> um yeah, can you actually let's can we dive into that? Like your metabolism. Can you what's the t- I can't even remember the terminology now, but it was like you've damaged your metabolism by like restricting too much or something like that. Is that possible? Well, the, I think the term we're looking at is adaptive thermogenesis. Whoa. And, well, you know, so it's, it's basically, there's a lot of theories out there, but especially around that early 2010 to 14 mark, it seemed like everybody was repairing, you know, broken metabolisms and that, you know, people had all gone into the, the imaginary or the, the magic starvation mode, you know, and mm-hmm. it felt like every every PT who couldn't get a result was blaming starvation mode and that people's metabolisms had shut down because they hadn't eaten enough, and now they were going to refeed them back up, and then they would then cut them back down, and they'd end up after about nine to ten months back on where they were, um, but had gone on a really nice little journey. And so what I was just making sure people were understanding was, well, if someone tells you your metabolism shut down, just ask a little bit more, you know, like, so tell me how, how has that metabolism shut down? And, you know, when we look at that, that the body, if it's going to reduce your metabolism, which your body has the ability to do, it's going to do that through a couple of ways and they're all measurable. So the first way that everyone, or that happens is reducing your muscle mass, you know, and I think, you know, the, the biggest change in the last 10, 15 years on helping people lose weight has been don't diet or don't rapid diet and when you're creating that calorie difference make sure that you're either strength training and adding a little bit extra protein so that when you're dropping weight you're not dropping muscle because as you drop muscle muscles you know add majority of your metabolism so it's going to drop so a lot of these times where people have uh said oh well your metabolism's down one have they tested it so i don't agree they're just guessing two well, what's your lean muscle? If you've maintained the lean muscle, then it's not dropping because of that. If you have lost the heat, like the old school dieters that just used to you know, um, starve themselves, well, of course it's gonna be down. Then you've gotta look at, well, if it wasn't muscle, what other uh, ways can the, can the the body reduce that? And the next one is, well, it normally will go to 
can it reduce the amount of like thyroid hormone, which will slow everything down? If it does, then you can test that. So rather than just making things up and um, just saying, oh, well, you, you know, you've shut your metabolism down, you're in starvation mode. Um, I always use that example. Um, what is it, that show? Survivor. Yes. It's, ama- it's amazing how many people on that show go on Survivor for two or three months and come back and haven't lost anything. And it's yeah. like, well, nobody. They all lose weight. And I'm like, you'd think with the amount of, especially in that 2010 to 2014 period, with the amount of people that apparently had caught the starvation mode, you would think that one of these Survivor contestants over 20 years would have just gone on the island, hardly eaten anything, and just stayed the same weight. But it just doesn't happen. Um, so, yeah. that's a bit of a rant (laughs) no I love it I love it because it just goes like I'm sure I've used that like your metabolism is just really slow we need to speed it back up Um, well you can it it can be slow and you can speed it up and it can drop but uh, it's it's not as even hypothyroidism Mm -hmm. a lot of the time you know hyperthyroidism really raises your metabolism a fair bit but hypo it drops it but most of the weight gain you get there is actually fluid retention and when we get fluid uh, retained in the body, it actually feels like fat, it looks like fat and most people can't tell the difference. That's when you see, you know, when you get some clients and you put them on, they start exercising and all of a sudden they drop six kilos in a week or four kilos in a week and they think, whoa, that's amazing. It's fluid. That can't be fat. Yeah, it can't be fat. It just science says that fat can only be burned at this much, you know, this rate. It just can't be. It it has to be fat and that's where you see that because your body can get rid of water very quickly. That's true. That is so true. Okay, so let's go with another common thing that I see and another like myth that now I know not to be true, but was rampant at some point and through my personal training, you know, career, you need to eat to kickstart your metabolism. So that old notion that we need to eat every two to three hours to keep your metabolism going. Is that true or false? (laughs) <laughs> I love how you're just saying, is it true? Like, I'll, I'll just, I'll give the definitive like answer. Like, you're the oracle. Um, yeah. <laughs> can I please just preface everything with every, I'm speaking, but it'll be According to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think where everyone goes wrong with this is because when you eat, uh, your metabolism raises, right? Uh, and especially, you know, that's what we call the thermic effect of food. So to digest food, your body has to work. And to work, it, ha- it, it raises, it's like just like going for a walk. You're, you know, uh, walking raises your metabolism. Strength training, because it's, you know, hit training will raise it more. So if we have protein, you know, that, let's say if I eat 100 calories of protein, it usually costs between 15 to 30% of that for your body to digest. So even though I've eaten 100 calories, I've raised my, my metabolism. It's had to work and use up 15 to 30 of that just to digest that protein. Whereas if I eat sugar, it hasn't raised my, my metabolism. So when you look at most diets that people are on, complex carbs raise it sort of cost about 10% and protein. So lean protein and complex carbs, which makes up pretty much, you know, the majority of most of any sort of, uh, regardless if you're going on low GI, high protein, clean eating, you know, they're pretty common in those sections because they work in that way. So it's, it's sort of like, hey, you can eat more because you're having to spend more. So that's why, so that's when people go, okay, uh, your metabolism raises after eating, let's eat lots, you know, or mm-hmm. eat frequently. And, you know, it can be, 
I think for anyone who's bodybuilding or body shaping and you're you know, absolutely not reducing any muscle or maximizing your size at all points of the day is so critical, then you know, you, I guess it's a safety mechanism to make sure that there's no potential time where there's not enough glucose for your body so it doesn't have to go searching, so you can never be in deficit. And you know, your amino acid pool that's rolling around your bloodstream it's never going to be deficit too. So you're, you know, you're always in plus nitrogen situation. So you're virtually telling your body, Hey, we're all sweet here, man. Do not break down <laughs> any of my muscle, you know? And that's why they turn all super anxious and crazy. Um, because you know, they're, they got to eat, they got to eat, got to eat. Don't, don't make me small. Damn man. gains. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So this is good. That is good. So it's, it depends on what you're trying to achieve, whether or not eating every two to three hours. And as soon as you wake up is actually going to support you in that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I always look at, you know, say we talk about energy and you want to have constant energy every day. And some people work better with that sort of eating every two to three hours because and the, like, they have to eat small though, but small meals, you know, six times a day, that can help some people. And the reason for that is that they've got really bad blood sugar control. And normally it means that their their fat utilization or their ability to burn fat and utilize fat is really poor. So they, they're high carb burners. And so when they have bigger meals, you know, carb goes up and then insulin comes in and drives it back down and they, they feel up and down and up and down. So by having small meals, they sort of keep that, keep in the safe range continually. But I sort of feel like that's, uh, one, it's a Band-Aid because it's it's sort of saying, hey, I'll keep you in there, but you have to keep eating all the time. When your body has the hormones to be able to control that if you just feed it the right way. And two, I feel a little bit like when we're craving to eat all the time, it's more of an emotional, like, you know, I. It's, it's mm-hmm. like a boredom thing. It's And so all we're doing, again, is band-aiding that. By letting you eat two to three hours constantly, you're not having to face, one, the fact that, okay, am I, am I um, why am I hungry? You shouldn't have to be hungry every two to three hours. That's not normal. It's never been normal over society, you know? Like, more normal is not eating for a day. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> or- eating two to three hours, that's just um, hectic. crazy. It's, great. it's hectic, really, and it's because of our excessive modern world and, and what's available to us um, and because we we look at people that are shredded and big and we look what they do but you know the body sculpting world uh, it's sort of on the other paradigm to the obesity you know it's, it's like they're both size neither is healthy in my opinion yeah I, I tend to agree there's got to be an easier way now intermittent fasting has been something that I've been playing around with or just seeing how I feel on that and it's been working for me because it took a lot of the pressure off in the mornings of I could just focus on the kids like getting them ready doing all the things I slept a lot better and I had more energy throughout the day now talk what is the science behind that so I was doing what was it 16 and 8 so I'd eat for eight hours within not just sit down and solidly eat for eight hours straight, <laughs> although fun. Um, but within that, I'd have my two to three meals within that and the rest I would fast. Um, but what is the science behind that? Because it's been like, it's like celery juice. Celery juice has had a big year last year 
So intermittent <laughs> fasting and cauliflower the year before that, like and kale, like has been a hero. But intermittent fasting has been a big one that has been, and I know that we have an amazing program through the Squad app, and it's working for a lot of women. But what is the science behind that, and why is that a great avenue, or has been for some people, not all? Um, but that's a different style of eating again. Yeah, it is. And you'll probably get a very similar answer for me. It really works for some people. So pros, it, you know, obviously, if you're someone who finds it hard to um, or you overeat at dinner and you're going to you know, skip that dinner meal, I suppose it can reduce that. For other people, we're, we're so not used to we're, we're eating all the time and eating when you're digesting it requires energy too, you know, like think about how many people feel tired after eating, especially after a bigger than normal meal. And sometimes you're not giving your body that chance to, because I guess the body has priorities. Number one is the stress system. So if you're stressing and if you're, you know, uh, running away from that tiger, blood flow goes away from your digestive system out to your muscles to run or, you know, etc. Once the Once the next priority down is digestion. So you know, after the, the stress has gone a little bit, your body's like, okay, I better digest this thing. And if, because people are so stressed all the time, digestion is sort of happening later at, at night. And you're waking up, people are waking up really tired and fatigued a lot. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's just such a great, rather than breakfast raising your metabolism, you, you should wake up, if things are working well, you should wake up feeling rejuvenated and energized. And fasting really helps with that because it allows your body to help clean house. And, you know, there's a lot of conditions these days that are created by, I guess, cells replicating incorrectly. And it's it's a lot of that has, has got to do with your body not being able to kill off the cells that aren't working. You know, it does that normally, but when it doesn't get to kill off the cells that have got damaged, they can start to reproduce and, you know, and, and you know the issues that come from that. So, Fasting is a great way to sort of, it's like a spring clean as often as, as you want to do it. Now, there's pros and cons to that. Some people who, again, what we talked about, don't have a great blood sugar um, metabolism. They don't, they don't metabolize fats very well and they need that. Fasting for a long period of time, short term, until their body gets good at that burning that fat, can be uh, problematic. And, you know, it can cause some hormone disruptions, et cetera, uh, mental, mental, you know, where they, they feel uh anxious about mm-hmm. when's my next bit of food and, and but on the pro side i think fasting is one of the greatest things to build people's willpower and also it's that mind control hey like i feel especially the first few times you do it you're like you know it's almost like driving down the highway on empty and going how far can i drive you're like oh my god am i gonna is my muscle gonna break down am i gonna die yeah. oh my god i need to eat right now is this possible yeah. is this humanly possible to go eight hours or 16 hours without food um and then you're like Oh, I felt pretty good. And then you go, you know, once you get, I guess, you know, if you're a little bit like me, you're like, well, let's go a little bit further. Let's go a little bit further. And, you know, you can realize, hey, you can last, you know, a long time without food. And your body has the hormones to do that. You know, it really does. When when blood sugar's high, you know, insulin comes in. When blood sugar's low, glucagon, you know, could should come in and um, basically tell your body to, to release glycogen from the muscles and either way you pull your blood sugar back into normal and if, if the, the liver and the muscles ever all your glycogen's gone then we turn into that the, you know burning ketones so your body's got these systems to back you up so you can survive without food and 
I think a lot of the issues today in society are from excess, you know, mm-hmm. excess toxins, excess food intake, excess, you know, and um, excess social media, excess news in your face every day, excess contact with people so you don't get any break and you're, you're vibrating at such a higher frequency out of where your body wants to be that it's just hard to control and, and be calm and, and everybody's everybody you know is is anxious and stressed and I feel like you know not that I've, I've you know, back when I was treating lots of people and this is back before 2010 but I reckon like 75% of the patients I had were on any depressions uh, any depressants back then yeah. so you know people aren't coping with with modern society at the moment very well bully I see that as well there's so much and so much of the like we don't have space like there's no space space. and so much of our healing is done within the in the spaces in between like we need that silence we need that gray area that white noise if you will just just space and i know i'm like i struggle with one of my kids he he talks non-stop from daylight till dark and this is not social media (laughs) but he's always go like that's his that's his thing and i'm not that like I need the quiet and the spaces and if I don't get that I struggle I struggle and start to snap now if you look at the ways that we're always plugged in the same way with social media and emails and everything else constantly responding to that if we're not giving ourselves that break in that realm as well it's so much it's like we're Mm. not designed to be that way we're not designed to compute no way it's it's crazy and we can get you know obviously you see that get addicted to that constant uh, stimulation and so then we're looking for it at all times and you're seeing people just reach for some sort of contact to to, to avoid what their thoughts are coming up in their mind and it was funny I did like a, a full detox maybe a couple of months ago where it was like okay three days where not only is there no phone or internet but I gave that away, locked it in a box, gave it to one of my partner's friends, gave away my car key, so I was just gave away the TV. So there was just it was just basically me, and that's it. And I was surprised at how many people said to me, "Oh my God, I I just don't know how my head would react to that." You know, I, I'd be scared to do that because, yeah, you know, it's scary for yeah. a lot of people because we've been conditioned to. Oh, I feel a bit anxious. Oh, check something. Oh, uh, you know, avoid, um, avoid. Avoid, avoid, distract, push down, whatever. Totally. And I remember I used to, um, whenever I'd go for a walk, because I'm a big walker, I had to have my headphones in, especially through my like incredibly anxious phases because I just, I didn't, same thing. I didn't want to face what was there. I just needed distraction. But you can't run from that stuff. You can't avoid it and for the rest of your life. But now it's like I'm like the radio's off in the car, the I any moments for silence, but that's you know, that's come bit like getting okay with being uncomfortable. And that's important. Yeah, and work. As well. You gotta work to get to that spot. So that's I, I actually this is a big belief of mine is that that, that what you've just explained, I it's unable for a lot of people to understand what you've just said because they they fight against that and they're like, no way, that's not right. Even I, I am in the belief that, uh, you know, guided meditations, there's so many guided yeah. meditations out there at the moment. Yeah. I feel like they're a great place for people to start, mm-hmm. but they're basically just the same as listening to a podcast or watching a movie. You're taking on a story and you're being distracted 
And for me, the the biggest benefit in a meditation really is to slow your heart rate. So heart rate variability. How slow can we get your heart? And then that's where the physical the physical body takes over the mind. And when our heart rate and breathing rate slows, our mind slows. And that's where we get the huge benefit. And then we're building that willpower muscle to stay on track. When we're on a guided meditation, we can float in and out, float off. It's beautiful. So I, I feel like even that is a distraction tool that when someone, like you said, just send, you know, you're creating more space and I love to have silence. For me, when I see a client or someone do that, I'm just like big tick, like, yes, yes, you don't, you know, you're, you're moving in such a great direction. And it's cultivating that ability to self-soothe, which I think yeah. is massively, like we talk about, we've got to teach our babies to self-soothe and all this, you know, whatever. Like that's a common place you would hear it. But how often as adults do we harness and give time and attention to being able to soothe ourselves and navigate whatever it is that's coming up like i know i still do it and i catch myself whenever i've got something uncomfortable i'm straight away want to get into a group chat and say to the girls like will you believe this because i'm looking for someone <laughs> to like soothe me i'm looking for someone to say something that is going to make that okay or justify or you know um, validate my feelings or um if i'm feeling uncomfortable it's like okay well i'll just grab my phone and do this or I'll put on a good song or whatever but how often are we giving ourselves the space to be able to feel it and just trust that it's going to pass and be able to give be the answer to the question that we're throwing out there because that's where that um when you get mm. curious with that that's massive yeah, massive totally totally agree and yeah okay so another another myth here like or something that's been thrown around. You got a lot. big list. <laughs> I've got look. I could go on all day. Diet okay. tea. Okay. Uh, I mean, do I have to answer that? Like, um, I, there will you be mean people. stimulants? So teas. Are you talking about like the the, like, the stimulant pack teas? Yeah, that people are like lose ten kilos, and people are, there'll be women listening who don't know what that actually does and how it actually works. But it pretty much just means that you're just going to shit yourself, aren't you? Yeah. Well. Uh, it depends on which diet tea you're talking okay. about, but you know, specifically for me, I have dealt in that, that realm of, you know, starting as a PT, then moving to it. It basically all the different things that I've learned have just been out of frustration of trying to help people and going, I need to know more. Right. So when working as a naturopath, it's like, okay, I'm dealing with so much anxiety, depression and adrenal fatigue. And how do I solve this adrenal fatigue? You know, and, one of the best ways is to get people off stimulants. And most people wake up, they feel crap because they're eating poorly or overeating or not moving. And then, so they just, they stimulate themselves every morning. And you know how um, most of society now is, you, you pretty much can't talk to them about reducing their stimulants. They're like, don't touch that. You know, I just don't. got a chest pain when you said it. I was like, oh yeah, my yeah, God, yeah, my God. yeah. Yeah, um, totally. And, but for me, if, if you're someone who suffers anxiety or you worry a lot or you're nervous, et cetera, and you're going to wake up and instead of eating or, you know, you got the first thing you're going to do is add stimulants into your body. Mm. I think you've got rocks in your head and you're not doing the best thing for your mind and your emotions and your hormones. And it's going to be so much harder. There's already enough 
you know, like we just talked about, so much bombardment. If you turn to wake up, you put on Channel 9, watch the Today Show or whatever, the morning show, whatever they have, and have, you know, a double, double latte, et cetera, and then you're like, oh, okay, go, game time. That's not, that's not okay. Um, if you're someone who's really calm, you're all sweet. Now, on the other hand, if, you've, if you're having a stimulant or a coffee or something mid-morning and you use it and it's your me time, and you know you're not abusing it. That's a totally different situation that I'm talking about. But so the the teas that people are on, basically what they're doing is adding stress. And you know when we're stressed, we just talked about it. Blood flow goes mm-hmm. away from your digestive system, and also away from your prefrontal cortex. So you can't really make rational decisions. But you don't feel hungry, and so these teas work just as an appetite suppressant. Oh. The raising of the metabolism, even though they slightly do, it is so incredibly small. Um, unless you know you're having it constantly so but it adds to that threshold so you've already got the the level of stress that we're under and we know that we're modern society man we're contactable all the time we work long hours even when we're having time off it's, it's stressful for a lot of people I, I just feel like most people are are nowhere near as, as happy as they they could be they're totally stressed all the time and they're just dealing and Adding to that threshold by constantly stimulating themselves is is madness, in my um, opinion. And it, it's great for a short term. Say, don't eat. So just have the stimulants. Maybe start smoking as well. Um, you know, you <laughs> won't want to eat it, eat it all. But I feel like I feel like stimulants are the modern day cigarettes, and it's going to be another 10, 15 years. Um, because in my world, what happens is after you get adrenal fatigue and it's fatigued for a long period, what happens is the thyroid starts to try and take over and a metabolism that had been boosted by the, the adrenals and, and running on stress hormones for 10, 15 years, can't do that. And all of a sudden you see that weight gain, that energy dip, that um, mood mood disorder. And the thyroid tries to pick up on that because it can and it starts to try and, and lift. But then you get thyroid disorders. Now, when most people look at health, they're like, they only see next week or you know maybe maybe three months ahead. But no one's looking, well, how's this going to set me up for the rest of my life, you know? And I just feel like stimulants are something that uh, they're a slippery slope. Yeah, I could totally see that. And I'm like, how many, I've just checked myself. Then I'm like, no, 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 I have one coffee a day. We're good. We're good. But I know that from myself through getting curious and paying attention to how my body responds and my anxiety. Can't have it. It's I've got to have had food first and it's got to be later in the day because it will wipe me out if i have a coffee on an empty stomach straight off the bat i'm i'm toast for a day everything's erratic it takes me so much longer to come back down and it's just not it's defeating the purpose then it's not a nice experience it's you're chasing your tail so but again everyone's different so i know you've been diving into genetics and the role that they play within our life as well and you mentioned it just before but can you fill us in on what that is and what you've found? Oh, well, specifically, I guess the, the term is, is epigenetics these days. Um, and I really, it's been, it's probably one of my biggest passions. And again, that's only came from dealing with people and being told, you know, initially in the early stages, like, oh, well, uh, you know, um, uh, it's just my genes. My mum, my mum, my grandpa, they've got high cholesterol, so I've got to have it, you know. And then, all of a sudden getting results and going, well, you don't have high cholesterol anymore or no, you don't have high blood pressure anymore or, (laughs) you know, um, we've got past that and after being told by specialist after specialist that that clients would have this forever, 
you know, I guess that's why I gets people to ask so many questions all the time and for them to try and get in touch with themselves as much as possible because we're the best way to understand ourselves and what you're told all the time, you know, sometimes it's true, but a lot of times it's not actual factual. So I guess the, the big difference, so genetics is, is our DNA, right? And mm-hmm. I, I guess 99.9% of us are the same. So, you know, our, our DNA is pretty damn close. Um, and when you look over society or you look over animals, when DNA changes, it's usually because of a, a species type of adaptation, you know, like, um, let's say, I don't know, the, the air was like Melbourne right now with smoke in it for the next two, three years or whatever. Mm-hmm. People went through this massive lung disorder stage. Eventually, you know, maybe it's longer than three years, 10 years, but the species would, would probably develop in, in Australia some sort of um, improved lung um modification that that filters out smoke better or something you know what i mean that's 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 when we see an an over a long period so it would start and it it may be 50 60 years what we're seeing now is is and it was always tied down to just genetics that oh well that's that's just who you are and it's a great way to be it's sad but we all like to be diagnosed with something because it takes the pressure off us you know it's like hey Mm -hmm. you've got this it's like oh Thank God, I'm, it's not me. Um, yeah, it's which, that. Uh, yeah, yeah. We all, we also, we're so harsh on ourselves, and we struggle with self acceptance and self love that, you know, most times when you've been feeling a certain way and someone tells you that it's not you, you're just like, oh my God, thank the fuck, you know. Um, totally. And, which just sucks. If you because if you if you can learn to to love yourself a little bit more, you can go. No, I don't accept that, and it's okay. But that relief is obviously is sometimes what we hold on to, and that stops from from growing, in my opinion. So, uh, back to genetics. When we talk epigenetics, there, that's the way that our genes are expressed. So when our DNA uncodes, and when and we, you know, replicating cells, or when our cells come into contact with any of the hormones, neurotransmitters in our bodies, different receptors on the sites of those cells, and and things can come in and turn. It's what's called gene expression. So it can turn different genes on or off. And we know now, and the science is getting stronger and stronger. And, you know, when you spoke about this early in the 2000s, you're crazy. Now it's like, yeah, fair enough. Um, and it's that you can create, like, what, you, what you, like, you're either doing, what you're consuming, uh, food-wise, toxin-wise, et cetera, or even what you're thinking can turn genes on and off. And you have that ability to change and it's really based upon your lifestyle and your thoughts. And one of the biggest killers for gene expression or, or a regression or a negative gene expression is just too much stress and, and those emotions that, that come along with that. And I guess that's a big passion of mine just because I've seen so often where people have been told, you know, my geneticist says I've got this, you know, cholesterol gene, etc. Um, that's it. No, not always. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you've got a genetic code and you, the way I look at that is if you were born with something, you know, um, um, then it's, it's unlikely we're going to be able to reverse that, you know, it still can happen, but very unlikely, you know, that is, that is a, a DNA issue. Um, but if you've been living for 35 years, totally fine. And then all of a sudden this issue starts to happen. Yeah. We've got some, uh, 
some things we can do and we can change that because something you've done, something you've consumed or something you've thought has decided to change the way that your body reacts to that. Um, now that's all pretty technical. So if I use maybe, maybe I could use an example. For me, genetically, I have got something called Gilbert's syndrome. So I don't get rid of Bill, Billy Rubin very well. So my eyes um, always have a little tinge of yellow, especially when you know um, that's building up in my um, liver. Mm-hmm. So if I, you know, pretty much three or four out of my grandparents died from um, uh, liver liver disease, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, losing. And so if I was a big drinker, and when I do drink, if you ever see me when I drink, <laughs> like, you know, my my eyes, my white of my eyes is really yellow. So if I continue to do that, and if we look at other things that negatively affect our liver, so high toxins, um, emotionally, anger is a big one for the liver. So if I was an angry drinker that was consuming a lot of other toxins. Life of the party, obviously, yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> my, health, my health would really suffer, you know, it would be because bad. that's it, but it would be bad, yeah. And, but I, you know, luckily choose not to do those things. Um, and so the difference between how my genes play out and how they express themselves in my health is completely different to if I had the opposite side of things. So by understanding, like, what else is it? My inflammation genes aren't overly great. So when I do, you know, done DNA testing on myself, my inflammation systems need support. So I need to understand that, you know, avoid things that cause lots of inflammation, you know, so... Try not to have lots of omega-6 fatty acids, you know, oxidized foods. Make sure I'm getting lots of rest. All the things, high high refined carbohydrates, anything that can cause glycation, inflammation, etc. got to pull that out. Try and not become stiff. Make sure I'm flexible. All these things to, you know, um, inflammation. Or I'm also quite a stiff person and if I get stiff in the body, I can also become stiff in the mind. So it's also becoming flexible, making sure I'm flexible and able to handle changes and not become rigid in my views because my inflammation system's not 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 overly great. But my methylation genes, fantastic. My antioxidant system, fantastic. You know, I could probably um, not have any antioxidants ever and because they're all seem to be firing pretty well and your genes don't change, I don't need to support them so much. So that also helps in when you're supplementing too, hey, because I'm like, yeah. well, I don't need to spend a lot of money there, but I do need maybe some uh, omega-3 and some, some you know, gut health supplements to, to reduce that inflammation that would be there. Uh, yeah. Anyway, there's a long, it's a long, that's long road. So, cool. but, um, so how, that's amazing. So how do people, obviously working with someone like yourself, but is there like a blood test where you can go and get like a full screening and then someone who actually understands what all of the data that would come back from like your DNA and your epigenetics test and then that's the sort of thing that you can do to read all that yeah. information and then use it to your advantage or make the changes where you feel you need to or could. 100%. Knowledge is power. Hey, so I mean, oh. what you were just saying before, the, the more you know about yourself and just to get back quickly onto um, when we're talking about uh, stimulants or uh, cigarettes or anything, the more that you're distracting yourself and using other things to change uh, your thoughts, your energy, etc., the harder it is to become self-aware because you're not really sure what it is. So you really have to to pull back and, and that's what you're explaining what you're doing. You know, like I don't need to be constantly in a haze of, of 
um, stimulation. And once you start to pull that back, you really start to become crazy self-aware. And that's that's where you get these these huge benefits. But genetically, yeah, there's heaps of people who do it. If you go to, I think it's Fit, fit Genes, F-I-T-G-E-N-E-S is what I'm um, qualified in. But there's, you know, most doctors I think would be pretty up to it these days, definitely naturopaths. Um, yeah, you've got a million people that you can do and you can go and get those tests yourself as well. Um, most people that do it really, like they're quite expensive, maybe three or $400 um, to get the test and a, a practitioner will probably charge you on top of that. But I think most people only go there when they, you know, got an issue, you know, like we're only mm -hmm. in, in life, we only do things that um, <laughs> to avoid pain, you know, so it normally requires some sort of pain first, sadly, but. But imagine if you did it as a preventative. Imagine. Imagine. <laughs> okay, so with all of your, I had so many more questions here, but uh, I've kept you for long enough. But with all of your knowledge and years of working with women, because you predominantly, since I've known you, it's mostly been women, and you do understand us often, I think, better than we understand ourselves, which is so annoying and also mm -hmm. great. But with all of your knowledge, what are three things that our listeners can do to maximize their health after listening to this? Uh, females specifically. I reckon there'd be probably more women listening than men yeah. to this particular podcast. <laughs> well, I do, women when women do um, self-growth and self-personal development so much better than men at the moment. I think uh, the the world's in the in the coming into the era of the woman, and the man needs to start you know, um, stop being so lazy and start looking at how they can improve too. So I would agree. I'm sure there's way more women watching or listening. <laughs> so uh, what I would say, um, number one, if I really feel like, and, and it's really good that the world, I feel like there's a big change in the last year maybe, but self-acceptance and self-love and practicing things like gratitude and also praise and being able to praise yourself, women are like from my experience, and yeah, it's it's a lot. I work with a lot of women. I feel like that's the number one thing that holds them back, you know. And that's that's probably number one is just starting a practice. If you're not right now starting a practice of daily gratitude, which would also include self appreciation um, practices, you know, um, and really patting yourself on the back, you know, like they say if. If self-criticizing and, and beating ourselves up was the way to um, happiness and etc., everyone would be perfect. But what I normally see is people start, um, and let's say that we'll use an example of losing weight. They will themselves, God, cow, God, you're pathetic, and they might get a result. But they get down and have these abs, and you, you would have seen a million clients like this. Mm -hmm. And then they get there and they go, oh, I'm actually more miserable than I was when I, this isn't bringing me happiness. And then there's a normal regression where they put weight back on because it's like, well, what am I doing all this for? It didn't make me, it didn't give me what I wanted. Mm -hmm. But then if they continue down that self-appreciation, self-growth, self-observation hole, then you see them not have to eat all day regularly to um, this flow of restrict to start with it myself then rebound get really you know worse in whatever health i'm trying to do and then if they continue consistently you see the result that they wanted in the first place except now man i love myself and 
I feel yeah. happy regularly. You know, I, I, I'm allowed to feel bad as well, but man, I'm consistently feeling damn good. And for me, that's that's what success is. If, if people can, I guess, struggle less, stress less, achieve more and feel better more frequently, that's that's when I feel like I've done a good job in someone's life, you know, uh, not initially and never. It's They've got to prove it over. Um, so that'll be number one. Yeah. Important. <laughs> that's important. Yeah. It's massive. And I don't think people understand how important it is. It's, um yeah, I 100% wholeheartedly agree with that one. What's number two? Well, number two, and we've spoke about this, but I feel like, you know, and you even mentioned it when, you know, when you said you're feeling stressed, what's the first thing you want to do is you want to go and get validation. You want to get people's opinions. You want to hear stuff. And it's because women are the community, you know, they're so much better networkers, communications, uh, communicators, and that was their role. You know, men go out hunting, women have to communicate and tell everyone in the tribe, don't eat those berries, they're poisonous, you know. Mm-hmm. And that you, there's so much, you're already communicating so much. And I, I always use the example, if one of my mates tells me to do something and I don't want to do it or I think it's dumb, like it doesn't even come into my realm of like, okay, yeah, I should probably consider that. But you can have three friends as a female tell you what to do and you are more confused and now you've got five things to think about. Yeah. And so then you add on you add on Facebook, you add on Instagram telling you what you should be, shouldn't do. And what I mean like that is, you know, people re- realize when they post, if they get lots of comments or lots of likes, then they're like, oh, your brain realizes that, oh, people like these posts. And yeah. when you don't, and so all of a sudden you start trying yourself the feedback, news in the morning, in the you've got work emails, you've got everything. So number two for females and I still think it's for both, really. Both these tips are um, you've got to give yourself space. You've got to turn off. You've got to start getting good at being able to sit and feel your emotions and just let them be and not having to have someone else tell you that it's okay. You know, make a decision. You know, we've lost the ability to use our intuition these days. We need Mm -hmm. to go to an expert to tell us. Don't listen to me. Like, take on what I say and yeah. go, well, I don't really like that, Levi. That sounds like bullshit. Um, and it hasn't worked for me. You know, I want to have my seven coffees a day and you don't know shit. And if that works, <laughs> then do it because, you know, um, you've got to just back yourself in. And the people that are the most self-aware uh, and, you know, I guess self-awareness without knowledge is a bit, that's when you start coming up with, you know, um, rain gods and thunder gods because you're trying to figure out what things happen. So you've got to build your knowledge. <laughs> you know, yeah. astrology, that's it's, it's that's because of the, you know, but you get to some knowledge and you combine that with self-awareness and knowledge and, man, you become unstoppable. So that would be number two is you've got to have switch off. You've got to have me time and you've got to, you've got to give yourself space and back yourself to just make a decision, you know, just... What do I want to do? Do that and uh, let it go. And number three, based on that whole thing, one of the things, and if you haven't read this book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, it was like one of the greatest books I've ever read. There's so many nuggets in there. But one of the things that I trained myself how to do from that book was to be able to control what I have uh, the control over, so um, circle of control, and anything I just have influence, I don't have any influence over, I can't make a difference, um, I just let go, and I've become so good at that, and I real, feel like, you know, people are always like, 
I don't get how you're so calm right now. Or, you know what? We're so bloody content and happy all the time. <laughs> and I feel it's because I just don't take on as much. And I had to learn that because I'm someone who takes on, you know, dealing with people as a homeopath, as a, you're feeling with like some big upsetting situations, you know, and like, so say for the, the bushfires and I mean, yeah. this might be controversial or, um, so no, <laughs> don't hate on me for this, but this is what I did, right? Um, most people are being glued to their screens and you feel there's even guilt there. If you don't get glued to your screen, you feel like you're a bad human because you're not in it. But I'm going to stand with was, you on this one. I, for sure. I did. I can tell you going and I did the same thing, but yeah, keep yeah. going. Well, yeah. so what I did was go, okay, the bushfires are here. Who do I know? You know, what can I do about it? Mm -hmm. I can donate. Bam, donated straight away. Who do I know that's affected? I'm going to call them, see if they need my help. Okay, great. They didn't <laughs> because I'm not a firefighter and I just gave yeah. away. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah. And so, um, but they, you know, they appreciated that call, I think. And then that's it. I switch yeah. off. I, and I don't watch the news. I haven't watched the news since like 2004. It's amazing. I still get, you know, I'm still up to date with everything. You can ask me something. I might be a couple of weeks behind most people, but the only thing that happens is that conversation. They're like, you don't know about the US bombing or whatever. And I'm like, no, tell me about it. And if it's big enough and it's, you know, going to affect my world, it always comes into my reality at some point. And then I go, well, what can I do about that? Yeah. Okay. Let it go. And I just feel like stress is the biggest killer. You know, as a naturopath, I got to a point where I just, there's no passion in it anymore for me because I found that I was constantly fixing people's immune systems and giving them immunostimulants and trying to fix that when the number one thing that was killing their immune system was stress. I was constantly, you know, working on their adrenals. Well, what was that? That was stress. Fixing their anxiety and their worry and their depression. What was that? Well, it was basically based around fear, which was creating lots of stress. And so... The, and the number one stressor of everything, like everything in the world, your number one stressor is you. Totally. And so if you, can, if you can learn how to just focus on what you can control and let go of the things that you can't control, I guarantee that you will halve your stress levels. That's not scientifically proven, but I'll still guarantee it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's such a, it's a, true. a tough thing yeah. It's like, I think we try and complicate things too much, but I did the exact same thing. Uh, we don't watch the ooh, news. Ooh. Yep. I can't. I, 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 as I take it on too much, it stays with me. It affects my sleep. It affects my responses with other people and how I feel within my day. And it filters over. I, I can't watch it. I haven't watched it for a few years. And occasionally I will switch it on if, like you've said, if something's come to my attention, but generally the news that's on TV is not where I'm going to get my most reliable and trusted information source anyway. <laughs> I'm not buying no. what they're selling and there's a whole, that's a whole other thing. But yeah. with the fires, I found out exactly, like found out where they were, paid attention, read the articles, watched a few things that were coming up. You can't avoid it. Like you, I did not that I wanted to avoid it, but I'm like, okay, this is terrible. Like, what can I do? Immediately found places to donate. Great. I did that. Then I'm like, okay, so how can I help? I'm like, okay, I'll share this as much as I can across my media profile, like social media and get the word out as to how you can help. Not the fear mongering, not the anything. How can we help? turn it into something positive and then mm. and then it was like okay what can I do 
to take care of me so that I can keep showing up. Right? Because if yeah, I get if if we get stuck in it and anything to do with the whole entire world, like we've got to resign as CEO of the universe and just look at what we can immediately do because otherwise you will get lost in the the enormity of it all. It's like what can I do right now to affect this? And every time that comes up for you, every time that helplessness helplessness comes up, what can I do to be helpful? So you acknowledge it obviously because it's fucking catastrophic. And then it's like, okay, well, mm-hmm. this isn't helping anyone. Me sitting here feeling guilty uh helpless lost that the world's imploding blah 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 that's not helpful that's not doing anything that's self-destructive so that's that and that vibration's not going to do anything to help anyone anywhere so look for the helpers look for the positives look at what you can do and immediately turn that helplessness into action and immediately it shifts and changes and it's not going to change the outcome but will change the way that you sit and navigate through it and that's with anything like like you were saying before about